Hallelujah. Tell someone next to you how uh, handsome or beautiful they are. Whatever's appropriate. Right? Right? And the ushers are coming down the aisle. If you did not get a starting point booklet, I'd love for you to put your hand up high in the air, and they will see you and eventually get to you. So they're working it. So keep that hand up if you have not gotten a starting point booklet. And uh, anyway, welcome to church on Labor Day. And, uh, you know, I never could really figure out Labor Day. It's just, you know, one of those things I suppose we celebrate everyone who labors, right? And I labor, so happy for me, right? (laughs) And I get a day off tomorrow. Uh, But uh, anyway, uh, is everybody getting their booklet? Yep, I'm thinking hands hands are getting them all over the place. I have started kind of a new little season in my life, and I know that I've shared with some of you, but uh, for the rest of you, uh, you might not know, but uh, in my earlier years, I was an RN, and I worked at Mary Bridge in the uh, pediatric intensive care unit, actually, so I had a lot of fun working on little little children, and uh, so then I stopped working to be able to raise my family, and the last couple of years, two years to be exact, I've really felt a pull to get back into nursing, to keep my license fresh, and, and especially with the work we're doing in Uganda with the maternity clinic. Hallelujah over there. Oh, I am so excited to just keep that thing going and, and all of that. And the last time we were over in Uganda we, on one of our long treks back and forth from the maternity clinic back, back to where we were staying, Justice, our uh, midwife, he's a functioning midwife over there, uh, looked at me and said, Pastor Joel, how, and now you have to understand that when, I, when we were out there, I asked him, to, you know, he took us to his labor room. Do you know what his labor room was? <laughs> it is a, 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 car, um, a plywood plank with a little foam on it, and there's a little cupboard over to the side with a basin with about, mm, like, oh, I don't know, maybe 15 little tools in there. That's it. That's it. That's what he births hundreds of babies with. It's incredible. And uh, so on the way back, he's like, Pastor Joel, tell me, how do they birth babies in America? Because i got to get better at this. And I'm like, I have no idea. <laughs> So um, I kind of decided I was going to get back to, back into it. So I've been doing a refresher course, and I'm in my uh, practicum at the hospital. I'm working in the neonatal intensive care unit now, so it's a little bit different. But last night, you know, I've just, I'm salivating over the labor and delivery area. You know, and it's just right next door. I look through the window every day. And, uh, but last night, just as I was getting ready to leave early, I do 12-and-a-half-hour shifts, and those are kind of nasty. And I want to get home and, you know, prepare for today, right? You know, I have to have something to say to you folk. Um, and, but just before I was getting ready, to, they called up from labor and delivery. and said, we have a crash C-section. Send over whoever you got. And I'm like, me, 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 you know. So I got to go over there and uh, be a part of this uh, incredible moment of this C-section and, and uh, pulled that baby. It was a placenta abruptio, so it was kind of, kind of bloody. And it was wonderful. I loved every second of it. <laughs> Yes, I am strange. I was the girl in the corner going, you know, and everybody's like, ah, and I'm so happy. So, um, but anyway, the, the reason I tell you this story is that when I got home, I am, I am, I'm kind of funny in that I don't have an on-off switch on my brain. And does anybody have an, you know, like my husband can do whatever he does and then go home and like this and sleep. Not me. I'm like, all night long. You know, I'm the girl that uh, growing up got very, very ill every, every Halloween, Christmas, Thanksgiving, Labor Day, anything to have to do with excitement. I would become physically ill. I was so excited. So anyway, last night I couldn't sleep because 
I was so excited. So I'm praying for this morning that I can be coherent and that my eyes are not too blurry. But anyway, this is, this is what I'm doing. This is where I'm headed, what we're going for. And uh, just keep praying. Keep praying for divine favor. Keep praying for our maternity clinic over there. We're going to make a difference. This body is going to make a difference. Amen. God is good. Stick with us. All right, so Pathway to Purpose. Uh, this is uh, very exciting, near and dear to my heart. And uh, I get the next uh, four weeks to share with you on this. Uh, we, we introduced our Pathway to Purpose, purpose back in 2010. It's been uh, six years. And uh, we did a huge sermon series. And it's, it's uh, kind of an interesting, it's a very important part of the free, framework of New Horizon here. So every once in a while, we want to pull it out and really really put emphasis on it and help you all to kind of understand what this pathway to purpose is. But um, uh, we just finished up a wonderful, wonderful series. Did you guys enjoy the Voices of the East that we just did? Was that the coolest? Absolutely. We had Sean Mahawan teaching on Buddhism and how to understand that that religion and how to reach out. And and then we had, uh, what was his name? James. James and Esther. James and Esther from Iraq and the conversion of his life and both of their lives. Iran, uh, they're the same, aren't they? They start with I and they're over there, right? That's kind of how I feel about Ohio, Indiana, and what are those other, Illinois? (laughs) They're all the same. Anyway, wow, did you remember his, can you remember his uh, testimony and you know, just, he left out so many details. I wanted to run up and just say, and you guys, he told us. That man, uh, they have, wow. I don't know if you remember in that slide presentation, there was a, actually a man up on the cross. And there was a, um, some parking lot lights kind of in the background of the picture. Did you remember that? Yeah. Yes? That was a pastor being crucified. In a parking lot. Yeah, it was not an Easter reenactment. <laughs> It was real life. Amazing. Amazing. And then last week, we had, what was his name? I can't remember his name. Richard Lewis from India. And uh, the word he brought from India and the Hindus. And oh, my word. I've just, uh, have you guys ever, you know, do you ever experience it when you, you think, okay, I'm going to buy a Ford Mustang. And, you know, you don't see, you just kind of think they're kind of cool. And then you go test drive one. And then for the next week, that's all you see are Ford Mustangs. Okay, so he taught last Sunday, and he said that the greatest influx of immigrants into Washington State was from India. And I'm like, I don't know about that. So then we went for a hike that afternoon up in Mount Rainier. Everyone was from India up there, every one of them. And I'm looking at him like, now I know what you're thinking. It was fantastic. Anyway, so we absolutely love them and, you know, this whole series. And uh, our goal for each of you is to become more evangelistic, a little bit more open with your faith. I don't know about you, but all three of those guys, what I walked up, you know, my takeaway was, okay, open my mouth and use me, oh, Father. Let me shine your light. And uh, so that's, that's really cool. And uh, the pathway to purpose is just in, you know, it's just perfect timing because it really helps us. It's going to strengthen you and help you in being able to do that. So what is the pathway to purpose? Pathway to purpose can be summed up in a phrase, and it's kind of our catchphrase for pathway to purpose. And it goes something like this. It's three parts. It says effective kingdom. So write that down on your little piece of paper because you're all students of the word. Effective kingdom. 
And then the next one is a strong church. And then the third one is healthy Christian. Effective kingdom, strong church, healthy kingdom. That's kind of our, our phrase, our terminology that we're going to use during our, our series here with, uh, with Pathway to Purpose. Effective kingdom, that's the first one. Effective kingdom. And, uh, you know, it, it's very interesting that uh, I was kind of doing a, a pretty big deep study in the, in the word. And kingdom comes up, the word kingdom comes up in the Old Testament uh, quite a few times. But it's always talking about like the kingdom of Syria or the kingdom of Babylon or something. It talks about places. But when we step into the New Testament, Jesus comes on the scene and he uses the word kingdom 122 times in the four gospels. Kingdom. In fact, there's hardly a page goes by that he doesn't talk about the kingdom. And even for us today to talk about the kingdom, it's kind of weird a little bit. I mean, in my mind, I kind of go uh, video game, kind of what's that, like medieval kind of video game, kingdoms and fighting and all of that kind of kingdom. We don't think kingdoms anymore, really, because we live in a democracy. We don't live in a kingdom. We live in a democracy. And so this whole concept of kingdom sometimes gets lost on us as a church and us as Americans. But Jesus talked about, like I said, 122 times in the four Gospels. Come on. Now, that means that something is really, really important here about the kingdom. So what, what in the world? He, he references, it, references the kingdom in many different ways. It starts off with John the Baptist. John the Baptist comes out, starts preaching up a storm. And what does he say? Repent, be baptized for the kingdom of God is near, near you. It's like, it's near me. Well, where is it? You know, so you can imagine that even in Jesus's time, though kingdoms were a little bit more of an uh, obvious topic, he started kind of messing with them a little bit. The kingdom is near. He said other things like, like, uh, uh, actually, let me read Matthew 5, one of his first uh, sermons that we have. Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of God. Blessed is the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of God. And it goes on. Blessed are those who mourn, they're very comforted. The meek are going to inherit the earth. The hunger and thirst for righteousness are going to be filled the, um, the merciful are going to be shown mercy. The pure in heart will see God. The peacemakers will be called the sons of God. And blessed are those who are persecuted because of righteousness, for theirs is the kingdom of God. Jesus talked kingdom all the time. He said that we're supposed to seek the kingdom first. And if you seek the kingdom first, everything else is going to be added to you. How do I seek a kingdom He talks about wanting to enter the kingdom. Well, I'd love to enter the kingdom if I knew where the door was. Sounds like a cool kingdom. Where's the door? Jesus went about teaching, the, proclaiming the good news of the kingdom. He said things like, the kingdom is like good seed. The kingdom is like a mustard seed. The kingdom is like yeast. The kingdom is like hidden treasure. He also told us that there were keys to the kingdom and that he gave it to us, the kingdom. So what is a kingdom? A kingdom, you know, like I said, we don't, we don't get it a lot. 
A kingdom is a group of people that have a king. A group of people that have a king. They have a culture. They have a certain dress, a certain language. And as you look around the world, and even in Jesus' time, they, look around, they knew what a kingdom was. They understood what a kingdom was. But the way Jesus was talking about this kingdom, it really confused them. There was a lot of confusion going on. Some people thought that Jesus was going to start a new kingdom. And that he, he was, you know, calling everybody to become an army to fight for his kingdom. And he was. But not like they thought. John 18, and I want to just kind of turn to there really quickly. We find Jesus at the end of his life. And he's speaking before Pilate. Him and, him, uh, him and Pilate are having a conversation. And Pilate's confused too. They've drugged this man before Pilate and said, crucify him. Well, why? Because he's calling himself the king of the Jews. And they have kind of a discussion. So John 18, verse 33. Pilate then went back inside the palace and summoned Jesus and asked him, are you the king of the Jews? Let's get this straight. Are you the king of the Jews? Tell me. Because then there's some traitor issues and we can take care of this business. Is that your own idea, Jesus asked, or did others talk to you about me? Am I a Jew, he replied. It it was your people and your chief priests who handed you over to me. What is it you have done? And Jesus said, my kingdom is not of this world. For if it were, my servants would fight to prevent my arrest by the Jews. But now my kingdom is from another place. Things are becoming clear. Jesus is not here to usher in a kingdom of this world, a kingdom that we're used to. But now he's speaking about the fact that now there is a concept, there is a kingdom outside of this world that overlays on top of this world. So Jesus' kingdom is just as real as the kingdom of Syria, but it's not. It's very different. And the Bible begins to help us to understand through the New Testament that outside of just the regular kingdoms, there's two overarching kingdoms that affect every single person walking the face of the earth. And that is, it does not matter if you're American or if you're Canadian, if you're Iranian or, or Indian or whatever. There are two other kingdoms that superimpose themselves over the earth that are not of the earth that oppose each other. There's the kingdom of darkness and the kingdom of light. This is the kingdom that Jesus was talking about that's near. This is the kingdom that you have the keys to. This is the kingdom that is so rich and full. This is the kingdom for peacemakers. This is the kingdom for the righteous. This is the kingdom for those who endure persecution. This is the kingdom. The Jews really, they, like I said, they had a hard time. In John 8, verses 30 through 47, we find Jesus getting in a, a verbal wrestling match with the Jews. And he starts talking to them about, you know, what kingdom are you from? And, and you know, who's your father? And you're not of, you're not of my father. And, and the Jews are like, yes, we are, because our daddy is Abraham. And he looks at them, no, 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 you don't understand. This isn't about who your 
earthly daddy is. It's who is your heavenly daddy. And that determines what kingdom you're from. So out of these two kingdoms, there's always a press. There's always a press. And these kingdoms are two kingdoms you can't see, but you can sure feel them. It's kind of like wind. You can never see wind, but you see its effects. And these two kingdoms are directly opposed to each other. And they, are, they meet right here at this meeting point with every soul. Every soul across the planet of the earth is standing right where the kingdom of darkness and the kingdom of light meet. And they feel that pressure. You feel that pressure every single day of your life. You feel the push and the pull. And the incredible thing is that you have a will, a free will that God has put in you. And he does not force a single thing on you. You get to choose. Am I this or am I that? And there is no middle ground, and every soul has chosen either to not choose, they've chosen, or they've chosen which kingdom they are in. I can't express, you know, and and make this stronger. There's no not kingdom. You are in one of these kingdoms. You are in one of them. Every person you meet is in one of them. Every person you meet is right in the middle of that push and that pull because both kingdoms desperately want your soul. So in Pierce County, there's a press and a pull. There's 800,000 people living in Pierce County. There's 644 churches. And uh, I wish I had statistics, and I don't. That was what I was going to do last night when I got stuck. So you have to work with me on this part, right? There's a lot of crime in Pierce County. What is the fruit of the kingdom of darkness? Crime, suffering, anger, murder. What's the fruit of the kingdom of God? Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, gentleness, self-control. Against none of those there is no law. Goodness, enough, God is always enough, whereas in darkness there's poverty. So now think about Pierce County. We all live here, or even King County. What is the pervading kingdom you know, status here? If we were standing up on a hill and actually had our eyes open, what's happening in this battle between the kingdoms? I'd say it's a mixed bag. I see good stuff all the time amazing stuff. Then I see stuff that just breaks my heart. Absolutely breaks my heart. If you have two opposing kingdoms, the strongest one is going to win. Would you agree with me? The strongest one is going to win. And I have news for you. The king of our kingdom is stronger than the king of the kingdom of darkness. I have news for you. But not always in these kingdom pushes, you know, if you're watching like from the physical, not always does the strongest king always at every moment of the battle, you know, apparently win. You know, there's a, there's a fight, right? I want you to read with me Colossians 2.13. 
Colossians 2.13. When you were dead in your sins and in the uncircumcision of your sinful nature, God made you alive in Christ. He forgave us of all of our sins. And having canceled the written code with its regulations that was against us and stood opposed to us, he took it away and he nailed it to the cross. Having disarmed, disarmed the powers and authorities, he made a public spectacle of them and triumphed over them by the cross. I think our king won. I think our king won. 1 John 4, 4. You're going to have to be quick with me. See all my little blue tabs? These are all the verses we're going to read. you got a lot of looking up to do. Ready? John 4, 4. Now that one's stuck to my hand. John 4, 4. You, dear children, are from God and have overcome all of them because the one who is in you is greater than the one that is in the world. Greater is he that is in you than he that is in the world. So put this in perspective of this push and this pull and you in the very center of it. And I say, dear Christian, dear fellow New Horizonite, win the battle. Win the battle. Every fight you feel yourself up against, you might think it's you against it. But I am here to tell you that Jesus Christ already took that battle, nailed it to the cross, beat it, disarmed all the power that's in that thing, and you have the ability now to overcome. Well, that was, that was okay. You have the power to overcome. Yes, absolutely. So God's kingdom is the strongest kingdom, but it's not always the most effective. But we need an effective kingdom. We got, we got problems in Pierce County. We got problems here in Fife. We have to have an effective kingdom. Our king is the strongest. But how do we get the kingdom be, to become effective? And that's the next part of our phrase. God has chosen that his kingdom function through a thing called the church. Through the church. The church is the main form. It's the, it's the structure. It's the, it's the thing he put on this earth to make his kingdom effective. His church. And there have been so many things coming against the church. I've read books. The church is dead. The church is no good. The church is toxic. Don't go to church because they're going to be toxic. Don't do this. Don't do that. There's all this fight against the church, the church in, in general. There are, you know, I don't know what the statistics are for, for Pierce County, but there's a very large portion of Pierce County that believes in Christ, a very small portion that go to church. So I want you to think of church as the edifice, the, the form, the place, this strong thing, this strong building, this strong what's it, tower that God has that he's intended to be placed on this earth that would be made up of incredible Christians. But this strong place where the, the righteous can run to it and be saved, where the, the broken can run to it and be saved. Now, I know in the word it talks about him being the righteous tower, but I'm just talking about an edifice, the church. That's what it's supposed to be. The church set in communities, the light to the communities, the place where there's strength and provision to communities. Matthew 16, 18 says, he's talking to Peter and he says, upon this rock, your name is Peter, and upon this rock I will build my church and the gates of hell will not prevail against it. Every single community is supposed to have churches in it. 
that are set there in the midst of this kingdom fight and his intention that every single church would rise up, be strong, thrive, and nothing will come against it. Nothing from hell will come against it and destroy that church. Ephesians 1.18, keep, keep tracking with me, just keep tracking. We're doing good, amen? amen. Ephesians 1.18, I hope I'm encouraging you because I love the church. Ephesians 1.18, I come here every Sunday because I love it. <laughs> amen. I pray also that your eyes, this is Paul talking to his church in, Ephesian, in Ephesus, the Ephesians there. I pray also that the eyes of your heart might be enlightened in order that you may know the hope to which he has called you, the riches of his inheritance, glorious inheritance in the saints. Look around. See the saint sitting next to you? They're your glorious inheritance. Look at that. Aren't they cool? Glorious inheritance of the saints and his incomparable great power for those who believe. The power, that power is like the working of his mighty strength, which he exerted in Christ, and he raised from the dead, and he seated him at the right hand of the heavenly realms, far above all rule and authority and power and dominion and every title that can be given, not only in the present age, but also in the one to come. And God placed all things under his feet and appointed Jesus, him, to be head of his body, the, uh, to be head over everything for his church, which is his body, the fullness of him who lives in everything, in every way. Oh, wow. Now I'm understanding how important the church is. See, it's a little C. It's not a big C. The church can be two things. It can be this that we're sitting in right here, and it can be the glorious, large, overreaching church of Jesus Christ. But he's talking about you and me now. He's talking about New Horizon. He's talking about this place right here. We are the body of Christ. We are everything that he isn't. He's the head. He is not the hand, the foot, the arm. He is not that. He's the head. We sitting here right now, look around. I'm just going to keep having you look at each other. Look at each other because we have to realize that all of us sitting here, we are the body of Christ here in Fife. What kind of body does he have? Does he have a strong body? Body, you know, a strong body. Have you seen strong bodies? Austin is my weightlifting strong body, and he kind of—he's always kind of walked with a swagger, you know. And he's—and then then there's ones that aren't quite so strong; they're maimed. Is the body? What are you laughing about? Is the body of Christ here in Fife strong? Or are we a little maimed? I don't know. But it's my goal, my job, my husband and I's job as pastors to cause this body to rise up and to be healed, to be healed, to be strengthened in every single possible way so that we can stand boldly in the middle of Fife, in the middle of Pierce County, and be a place where people can come when their marriages are broken, when their families are disintegrating, when their children are uncontrollable, 
and find answers right in here. When addictions are overpowering them, when alcoholism has destroyed them, when stealing and lying and cheating and and character issues have, have disintegrated their whole foundation, when they don't have a reason and purpose for life, they can walk into this building and feel the love of Christ like never before and be healed here in this church. Church, I love church. I grew up in church. I slept under the pews of the church. I would go and I would, I would help my mom run the mimeograph machine. And we painted the church, my mom and I. And when I was a little girl, we cleaned. And I was here every night. And not this one because it wasn't existing at that point. But that's how I lived because I loved the church. We have to love the church. And I think that's one thing that James said from Iran uh, was that they, they love church. And the only church they get is online. And, and some people are like, I can't wait till I can go to a church. If they go to church, they're going to be killed. People, this is your glorious inheritance, the church. Strong church. Don't forget that. Don't forget that. This is a place where the Spirit of God is at work with family, community. We are a giving and loving and receiving and going and doing body. We are a coaching place where you can find coaching and teaching and mentoring and challenging. You can find the worship, this morning's worship. If you didn't feel the presence of God, that's your fault. The church. Okay, there's one problem with church. I will admit there is one problem. One. It's made up of you and me. That is the problem. You and me are the problem of the church. Right? Right? Everybody say me. Me. Everybody say maybe you. Point to someone and say you. For you see that the sum total of every church and every community is the body of believers, those people who come. The church is not the building, the church is you. We have a building that the church comes to and becomes. So look around, you're looking at the church, the church of Fife. This is it. This is what the people, yep, this is what the people of Fife are depending on to bring light to them. You. Okay, look around. Keep looking around. We are it. God's not going to send angels. He's not going to come down himself. You are here. You are you. You are the church. There's a couple of other churches in Fife, but one of them is Korean. They can't speak English. They're not going to reach a lot of people. The other's the Catholic church, and they're doing a pretty good job. I'm not going to bash them. But, and then there's us. There's us. Yippee! (laughs) So we're the sum total. And it's unfortunate that we are either going to make God's name famous in Fife, to the people of Fife, who are right now, right this second, within a mile to, within, I could throw a stone, and I won't, but I could. Well, maybe not a stone. Somebody in this room could probably throw a stone and hit, I, I, mine would go up like that. I, I am a terrible thrower. But do you understand? I could go out and yell and people would hear me. And they're not here. But they're needing Christ. 
And that's what we're here for. And I am determined to give every single ounce of my life and my energy into being a very, very strong church so that the kingdom of God, at least in my little corner of the world, is going to be effective. So here we are. It's the people, though. So the people make God's name famous. We, the word talks about that. You are to make God's name famous. But unfortunately, sometimes I don't do a very good job of that. In fact, sometimes I give God a bad name. Is anybody with me on that boat sometimes? Come on. Jonathan, you too? How could it be? Bah. I'm in good company. But here's the thing, and, and you know, you've heard me say this. I don't know why God chose it to do, to do it this way. Why did he do it this way? He's depending on us. I am a dingling half the time. Why would he choose me? Bah! Do you guys agree? Why? Why can't he just send his angels to be the preachers? They would listen to his angels. They don't always listen to me. Wouldn't you listen to, if this was an angel up here, you know, they have burning eyes and a sword. And you would listen to them. You would be up here praying right now, I think. <laughs> but instead, you get me with all of my craziness and dumbness and blah, blah, blah. And you get Mr. Wolf, Pastor Wolf, and all of our failures, all of our weaknesses. That's what you get. But here's the cool thing about God. Let me just talk to you about this. 1 Corinthians 1.25, and I love, love, love this passage. 1 Corinthians 1.25. For the foolishness of God is wiser than, the men, than men's wisdom, and the weakness of God is stronger than man's strength. Brothers, and sisters, think of what you were when you were called. Not many of you were wise by human standards. Not many were influential and not many were of noble birth. But God chose, aren't we glad that God chose the foolish things of this world to shame the wise? God chose the weak things of this world to shame the strong. He chose the lowly things of this world to despise and the despised things. And the things that were not to nullify the things that are. People of God, that's you. You might not be the strongest. You might not be the wisest. You might not be the coolest. You might not be the smartest. You might not be the holiest. You might not be the most amazing. You might not even be an angel. But God has chosen you to shame the wise and the strong and the so-called holy of this world if he can work through you. When we went to build this church, the one you're sitting in right now, 12 or 13 years ago, at first we had a huge church. It was strong and mighty. We had about 400 people meeting over at the community center. It was, it was, we were, we were going to beat 
the snot out of the devil in Fife. Anybody there with me? Remember those days? And then we went through some rough times, a few rough patches. And this church shrunk down to 125 people, and we found ourselves up meeting in uh, uh, Faith Family Church on Saturday nights. We lost our financing. We lost, because of all sorts of stupid things, we lost our financing. We had legal battles. We lost our building permits. We lost it all, and we lost a lot of people. And we could have quit right then because I'm telling you what, my apologies to you sitting here that were with us at that point, but we were a ragtag bunch of people. It was scary. And I remember getting up in front of 125 people, and that included the children. We counted everything that had a heartbeat. I'm telling you what. So probably in that sanctuary, there was probably only about 60 or 70 people. And every Sunday we, or Saturday night, we'd take an offering, and we'd show pictures. And then we'd say, okay, people, tomorrow we're meeting down there at the property, and we're going to tie steel. And they'd come. They'd bring their kids. We all brought our kids. We were a ragtag bunch of kids. I'm telling you, there was old people. You can't, there's poor people. You can't build a church building with that. There were, there were people that kind of weren't in their right mind, okay? Let's just put it, that, just, just be nice about it. You're laughing. Those who are, you know who I'm talking, you know what I'm talking about, don't you? But God chose the few, the committed, the ones with faith, and we did it. And we built this church, and we got moved in, and this church has been hauling buns ever since. We could have quit. We could have given up. But God uses the broken, the foolish, the weak. All he needs is a church of people. Yes, a church of people. He doesn't care what you look like. He, well, he does care because he wants you to get better, okay? But he doesn't care what you look like, what you are, what you've done, where you've come from, what you think, what all of that kind of stuff. He just says, get your buns to church to where I can reach into you and change you and where I can bond you together with others that are a lot like you and maybe you guys can love each other and maybe you guys can encourage each other and maybe you guys can become family and maybe you can show the people of the community what I'm like. Maybe you can show them what my heart is. Maybe you can because they're not hearing my voice right now. They need you to come. They need you to touch them and touch them and touch them and care. Effective kingdoms need strong churches. And how do you get a strong church? Well, once again, it's down to you and me. He needs healthy Christians. And what I'm trying to tell you through all this here is you might be sitting here going, I am not very healthy. God's okay with that because he's the master healer. He is the master changer. He loves to take that which is not. Do you remember that, the last of that? That which is not. I'm not very smart. He likes to take what you are not and turn you into what he wants you to be. You might say, I am not very whatever. I can't talk to people. I'm not very eloquent. Yeah, well, he likes to take what's not and turn it into what he wants it to be. He needs a church 
filled with healthy Christians. It all starts with us. So, this is why we have a pathway to purpose. Back to the beginning, right? So pull out your starting book, starting point booklet. So what we have in place here at New Horizon, what we are really set in doing is to, after we've done this whole long, huge tirade here of effective kingdom, strong church, healthy Christian, is to now take you right where you're at and start working the other direction. I want to take every single person in this body, every single one of you sitting here, if you will commit to becoming a strong Christian, then this church, or a healthy Christian, then this church will become strong and the kingdom will become more effective. Do you understand what I'm saying? So the, the pathway to purpose is meant to do that. And the first uh, booklet or the first icon in the pathway to purpose is the starting point, the cross of Christ. That's where we all start. That's where the, the ground, the, the ground, the playing ground becomes level. If you're a millionaire or a poor person, if you're a man or a woman, if you're Jew or Greek, if you are whatever, I, there is no uh, separation in Christ. And when you come to the cross, you all, we all become equal. And uh, coming off of our last, you know, the Voices of the East, talking about evangelism, talking about leading people to Christ, talking about being vocal with your faith, I need and want every Christian in this church to understand salvation. Can you articulate salvation to someone? And I want you to really think right now, can I? Maybe the reason why we are not being quite as effective is because we don't understand it. We can't articulate it. We know it, and I am saved. But can I articulate it? And I would say pretty much everybody sitting here has come to the cross and accepted Christ. And so I'm not going to have a, a big altar call here, but I'm going to challenge every single one of you Christians sitting in this room. Can you articulate salvation? If someone came up to you and said, please, I know you're a Christian and I desperately want to become one. Can you tell me how? Could you do it? Some are, yeah, and some are like, Jesus, don't send them to me. Send them to him. The one that said yes. Okay, so I want to change that. You want to change that? You want to grow? You want to become more healthy? Okay, so what I, I have a challenge. This booklet, if you'll look at it, it'll take about one to two hours for you to read, and I want every single Christian in our church to read it. Because if you get this in your heart, and you're able to articulate, and you're able to speak it, and you're able to actually do it, we will become, you will become more healthy. Because you won't always be walking around going, don't send them to me, don't send them to me, don't send them to me. Right? So the first section of this book, there's three sections. The first section's on salvation. And my goal for writing this, the reason why I wrote this, is number one, that you would have the ability, and it's written very clearly, very clearly. It takes some very, you know, high spiritual thought and made very concise and very clear. And if you don't have it to where you can articulate it, please read the first section a couple of times until you can articulate it, until you can say it. Can you, you can get it in your heart and understand it. 
And there's little sections to... And then my second reason for writing this was that someday you would lead someone to Christ. And, and the deed is not done when you pray with them. It's kind of like having a baby. The deed is not done when that thing is birthed. That takes about a couple hours, you know, 24 hours at max. Then starts the work. You got to grow that thing up. You lead somebody to Christ, that's one thing. And that joy is so cool. But if you can disciple someone, I'm telling you, that's where real life begins. So my goal is that if you lead somebody to Christ or if you talk to someone and they're just struggling in their faith, you go, hey, can I, can I get together with you and work through some just basics? Of self, you know, basics? You'll grab this book and work with them. So the first section is on salvation. And I'm not going to take the time to hear, oh, my goodness, I'm five minutes late. Ooh, I better hurry. The second sec- section talks about, um, or the next section talks about water baptism. If you, can you articulate what water baptism is? You got that one down? Cool, read it once. If you don't have it down, read it ten times. Communion. What does that mean? What is it really? Where did it come from? When did it start? Can you answer all those questions? Maybe, maybe not. Read this book. Who is the Holy Spirit? What is this whole thing? Read it. Finally, the four habits. The next section, the last section, is uh, get to a church. I think we hammered that one home pretty well here today. Read your Bible, pray, and give. I'd love the band to come, come forward. So I have a challenge for you today. And if Mandy is here listening, I have permission from Pastor Wolf to do this. I don't think we, she knows this yet. But here's my challenge. Take your, he's laughing. Take your booklet home. Do not throw your booklet away. It will break my heart. Jesus knows where this booklet goes. <laughs> Do not throw it away. <laughs> but this week, I challenge every single one of you to read it. Read it once. Read it twice. If you're married, sit down with your spouse and read it. With your kids. You might have to, you know, depending on how old they are. If they're kindergarten, you might have to, you yeah, know, rework it a little bit. But I challenge you, read it. And if you come back next week with your booklet and it's filled in, we are going to have pizza after church next week available for sale at a high price, 10 bucks a slice for all of you who don't read your booklet. But if you bring back your booklet and you've got it filled in and you present that, to the window, you can have pizza for free. <laughs> what do you think? Good idea, huh? I was going to give y'all books, to, you know, because that's kind of like my love language is books. And Dwayne's like, no, we got to do pizza. So, so this is what's going on. Let's all stand. Thank you for enduring. I love my church. I love my church. I love my people. You are my glorious inheritance. I don't have a whole lot in the bank account, but I got you. You laugh, but it's truth. I don't have a whole lot in my bank account, but I got you. And I treasure every single one of you. You are made in God's image. When I look at you, I look at Jesus. I could cry right now. 
If I wasn't planted in the house of God, I wouldn't have you. I'd be lonely. I want you to throw your hands up in the air right now. We're just going to end in some prayer. Father God, say after me, Father God, make me a healthy Christian. May I make your name famous. May I not bring you shame. Father God, change me. I choose now to forgive. I throw bitterness out. Anger go. Negativity go. Poverty get off of me. Divorce get off of me. Anger get off of me. Rejection get off of me. Abandonment get off of me. Not enough get off of me. Turn me into you. Let me die. And let you live in me. Let me become the most healthy Christian. And as I come together at New Horizon, God, I pray this church to become strong. This church to become mighty. This church to become effective. This church to be the light in Fife. God, I thank you right now for the harvest, for the giving, for the going, for the doing, for the changing that's coming forth from this church. I pray for every church in Pierce County. Be strong, church. Be strong, church. Be strong, church. Every believer, be strong in Jesus' name. And now I say, kingdom of heaven, come. Kingdom of heaven, come. God, I pray the kingdom of light becomes effective, becomes effective in the push and the pull. Lord God, I pray that the kingdom of light today in our generation, in our nation, becomes strong and effective in Jesus' name, in Jesus' name, in Jesus' name.